Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. And welcome to the SmackDown Review. I'm Adam Wilborn from What Culture, joined by the Dadly Boys of What Culture, Michael Hamlet and Michael Sidgwick, here to review everything that happened on Friday's episode of SmackDown. But before we get into it, if you're a fan of this sort of thing, make sure you subscribe to What Culture Wrestling on either iTunes, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts from for daily wrestling podcasts, where we not only review Raw and SmackDown, but also NXT, AW Dynamite, pay per views. We have interviews, roundtable discussions, and a roundup of the week, complete with a bloody good quiz, of course on wrestle culture as i said though joined by hamlet and sidgwick to review smackdown oh it's been a long time since we've done this what did you make of friday night show michael hamlet rubbish absolutely rubbish this is not contrary to i think luckily a dying discourse um this week's episode at the very least i don't want to comment on other maybe half decent ones this week's episode was not a broadly good show with a couple of duds this was a mostly bad show with one or two half decent things. Like the best character in WWE resides on this show. And too often for my taste, the last sort of three or four months, they've been quite lazy with that best character. So I really quite enjoyed what the best character did on this show or the best angle, I guess, best storyline and all that. Otherwise, like a really bad show. When we pick apart some of this stuff, I don't feel like it's going to be that different from criticizing something from Raw in terms of like, Plot holes, logic gaps, hideous WWE commentary, uh, bad comedy, usual tropes. It's going to feel like alarmingly similar to a Raw. Um, one of the worst Smackdowns I've seen in a while. I'll say that. I think there's been a lot of better episodes lately. But this was a good example of why this is not the shining light that a lot of people maybe think Smackdown is. So this is Smackdown. <laughs> the Smackdown I've been hearing about. That I, you know, I obviously have to watch as well to keep up with them, WWE, but mostly, you know, from afar at my own leisure at a certain um, rate. Keep on five speed. This is SmackDown that I'm paying attention to and I'm watching in full at the correct speed. This is SmackDown, is it? This big Mid South adjacent quality show. That's so much better than Raw. So much better wrestling. And they really try with the long-term storylines on this show. I'm watching this and I'm thinking, Apollo Crews versus Big E again. Seth Rollins versus Cesaro, capital M, capital C, must continue. And Roman Reigns is making one of his cousins test his loyalty. This is ancient. (laughs) Absolutely. It's bad and ancient. It's as ancient it's May Young's tits at the 2000 Royal Rumble. 
You're telling me this is a good show? It's it's woeful. It's woeful. Rematch City, inessential. Filibuster promos before the rematches that exist to drag out the content. Jesus Christ, this is a miserable, badly plotted, low-energy pro wrestling show, and I don't even like the Roman Reigns stuff that much anymore. Let's get into it. Yeah, it's it's weird, this, because obviously we do the SmackDown preview, me and Hamlet every week, Sage, and, uh, you know, usually keep a lot of praise on this program. But as I was saying to you just before we start recording, when I don't have to analyse this show, I probably get it watched in about half an hour on a Saturday morning. And so I always think, oh, it flew by. And <clears throat> I suppose, like you alluded to there, Hamlet, if I wasn't analysing the show, and this is obviously, a, I'd say this is a, a worse SmackDown than, than in recent weeks for us to be analysing. It just so happens that it's fallen this week for us to do it. And hopefully these SmackDown reviews with the three of us will, con- will continue. But how was had I not been analysing it, I would have taken away... Oh, you know, Roma Reigns still doing great Roma Reigns stuff. Edge is back. That's fantastic. And, and Big E's qualified for money in the bank. Good. That's the right direction to go in. And Shinsuke Nakamura's gear, which I'm sure Michael Hamlet will be referencing uh, in a short while. However, like you say, having sat down and made notes and analysed this show, it does seem to the mask of, yeah, this is the best WWE show every week, does seem to slip somewhat uh, once you actually sit there and take it all in segment by segment in its entirety and, and not have the luxury of thinking, well, I've seen Big E and Apollo Crews a lot, so I'll just skip to the finish of this one because that was, what, 10, 15 minutes that match? And it was, you know, there's a lot, that, 12, 13 minutes on my notes here. Not to go all Meltzer on it all, but uh, it's it's one of those ones where there's not a lot they can do that I haven't seen before. Um, but we'll get into it, as you say. Let's start at the beginning of the show. The show obviously opened with the head of the table. Uh, well, it recap what happened last week, first of all, with uh, with him and Rey Mysterio in hell, in a cell. And then Reigns and Heyman are sat there in the dressing room. Uh, and Heyman's talking about how the Mysterios, Dominic and Ray, are acknowledging him from their hospital beds. In comes Jimmy Uso. Um he told Reigns that he talked to his brother Jay. Uh, Jay's not coming back, basically. Reigns is furious. He's not coming back. Just have to think about all the things he'd done for him. Uh, but he, Jimmy said, you know what? I ain't nobody's bitch, but I can be a right-hand man. I'll, I'll, I've got your back tonight. Reigns laughed at the idea. But Jimmy said, I can do what Jay did for you. And Reigns told him to prove it. What did you reckon to the opening of uh, SmackDown, Hamlet? I quite like this you know we talked a bit about this in the preview they've with Jimmy Uso since his return they have of course obviously tried to make him at first constantly looking down upon the Jey Uso Roman Reigns dynamic and wondering why the hell his brother's been sucked into this situation you can see that his cousin's become a monster but you know he doesn't understand what's going on with Jay and now he's taking a different tact and I I don't think Jimmy comes across completely stupid here, which is a big level up from how WWE scripts most of its characters. Um, can't yet see exactly the end game. Can't quite see what he's trying to do. Is he protecting Jay? Has he done something to Jay for his own good um, just to keep him away from Roman Reigns? And the fact that Reigns doesn't know either, I think is just a nice welcome wrinkle to this otherwise complete totalitarian control Roman Reigns over has over every single thing in his like professional and personal life. Like us not being hundred percent certain of Jimmy comes through Roman Reigns' lack of certainty of what Jimmy Uso's end game is. Like I'm less keen on their 
right, you can prove yourself, right, go and have matches, as we'll get later on the end segment, go and take quite a significant amount of punishment because that becomes a plot hole pretty quick. It's like Jimmy Uso's taking physical, painful physical beatings on behalf of Roman Reigns, only to then like fall up after and say, ha ha, you fell into my trap where an edge nearly broke my back with a spear. You know, like a one nil, it, it doesn't hold together quite as well. But this element of it, I actually quite like. Why is Jay not here anymore? I do watch the show, but remind me. We're not sure. We don't yeah, know. I think he's just he's just furious that the, the, about this ongoing battle, and he's just sort of had enough as far as he, yeah, he's not been written off per se. Okay, okay, um, right. So here's the thing: I watch a good show. Sorry, another good wrestling show. It's called Dynamite, right? And I watch various baby faces in various stages of their quests, title journeys. One Jungle Boy. It's not there experience-wise, but God damn it, he's got the guts. He fell to Kenny Omega. Hangman Page, he's very much there experience-wise. And the pathos of the character is that everyone thinks he's there. Everyone wants him to be there, except Hangman Page himself, right? I'm watching a show, which if you want to reduce it down, and you almost always can... It's a morality play with heroes and villains and you want the goodies to beat the baddies in the end. I'm watching this stuff with Roman and his cousins and I'm thinking, does it end up with a two-on-one handicap in favour of the baby faces? Is this building Jimmy and or Jay Uso as like true main event stars? Like, What's their end game to any of this in a pro wrestling context in a massive match on a massive stage? Where is it? I just don't get any of the pro wrestling beats. I don't know if it's a bad thing that it's, or a good thing that it's this unpredictable, but you have to at least see some semblance of a destination in sight. How you arrive at it is the good, intriguing, episodic part, but you know when you arrive at it, it's probably going to be a fantastic blow-away pro wrestling match with people you really, really like and can believe in that have credibility whether they see it themselves or not and with this stuff it's like is it two on one babyface versus heel feud like what like what is it in the parameters of professional wrestling like i don't get it what is it no i, I i'm enjoying the journey but I, I have no idea about what the destination is you're right I, I don't even know what it is i don't even know what it is and the more i watch it the more i watch it i'm thinking is Roman Reigns' ability to act more than virtually any professional wrestler, at least signed to WWE, is that like enough? Apparently it is. I just It's not for me, this. It really isn't. His facial expressions, Roman's, are tremendous. His very presence is tremendous. How much better would all of this be if there was a baby face in a long-term, and I'm laughing already, in a long-term arc like just in the distance in that rear view and you know he's coming, you just don't know when. He has to have loads of wins first. He has to win a grudge feud first. Who is this baby face that makes all of this worthwhile and purposeful? If he's not there, it feels to me like a one long protracted audition. Mm. Yeah, I mean, the, the argument could be made that that is Big E, but there's certainly no indication of that, that he's 
you know, like the Hangman page, you always sort of got the odd breadcrumb of them either alluding to the rankings or whatever. And Big E still hasn't dealt with the Apollo Crews thing, let alone, you know, even though he's in the Money in the Bank match, transitioned his sights onto Roman Reigns. They've they've hardly interacted. So it's just one of those as well, like our inside knowledge of this kind of scuppers the investment. Obviously, we've had years and years and years of just fingers getting burnt off. But if they're bringing in Edge and the rumours are they're bringing in Cena and the rumours are they're potentially going to bring in Brock as well. Can I see them going all the way with Big E as the guy who finally topples him? Mm. Fanciful for me, which again, just kind of WWE being so bad for so long ruins the investment in all of it. And this, no matter how well performed it is in terms of Roman's role, I don't think I'll ever get on the hook for whatever this is. Uh, it was followed by uh, Bianca Belair. Uh, they recapped her win over Bailey at Hell in a Cell, and she came out and celebrated with her title. Talked about how they were going to be back on the road in just a few weeks' time. She couldn't stop celebrating her win at Hell in a Cell. Uh, she's looking at a reflection in the belt. She can't quite believe what she's seen. She's not vain, though. Uh, she sees the reflection uh, of the girl that she's incredibly proud of. She overcame Bailey the bully and ended up saying, Ding dong, uh, the witch is dead. Um, Seth Rollins interrupts. He comes out. He's celebrating as well. Uh, they both celebrating wins from uh, Sunday, but uh, he overcame the odds, but she didn't. She got a fluke victory whilst he dominated Zazaro. Um, pretends to celebrate, asks for a high five, throw it up like they're click. Uh, basically, we have to do it now because Bailey's about to come out and beat you up. And there comes Bailey. Her music hits. She storms down to the ring, mocks Bel Air, tells Rollins not to waste his breath. It doesn't matter what she does, Bailey says. She'll always be Bianca Bell loser. Uh, Brawl kicks off, of course. Rollins tries to get in between them, uh, which allows Bailey to get the upper hand. Cesaro runs down. They all start brawling. It's only Cesaro and Bailey. Bailey yells at him. Uh, Belair runs in, and Cesaro helps her in giving Bailey a drop kick to set up the Bailey, Seth Rollins, Bianca Bell, Cesaro match that we knew was coming. But, uh, well, I sense this is. Oh, one of your tropes that you hate about WWE, Sige. I mean, I it is. What have I been doing for the past month of my life? What have I been doing for the past month of my life? I've been enduring, God damn it, this laughing of Bailey's. The putrid, obnoxious, go-away heat, right? But at the very least, in the parameters of what WWE does, which is mass-produced content churn for the kids to inspire people and don't be a bully be a star in the parameters of this bollocks which is weightless but let's pretend it isn't for the purpose of analysis that might matter even though it doesn't Bianca Belair overcame twice the first result was disputed as just a hollow pretext to do more of the same and to dryly fulfill the contract obligation they have with Fox so oh we've got a little Asterix, an asterix. Let's blow off this feud in Hell in a Cell. And they did. The clean as a sheet victory. Bianca Blair comes out in SmackDown, reminds you of the win, right? And says, literally, the witch is dead. I beat her cleanly in the middle of the, of the ring. She could just get interrupted, transition to the next opponent, who, of course, has been steadily built via several wins in the meantime, so it makes sense when she does the interruption and you can... Why is this going on? And the only answer is they hold your intelligence and investment in total contempt 
They will drag out everything because it's a content chain factory. There is, they can't even give you a storyline reason for this to happen. It's an insult to my time, and it's no wonder this company has hemorrhaged its audience <laughs> over the span of five years. I, yeah, I thought this was horrible. I thought this was absolutely horrible. Um, this match was the one thing we were... I don't want to say excited. We were quite hyped for on the SmackDown preview World Born. Might be because it was probably the only only thing that advance they actually announced in advance. Yes. We didn't have to just talk about fallout of everything. <laughs> it was actually something that told us was going to happen. And then they proceeded to run a segment that was the antithesis of promotion because I was sick of all four of them before the bell rang. They had managed to make me bored of these people when they were the only things I was really looking forward to about this broadcast. Um, just a horrific misuse, the continuing misuse of Bianca Belair and how exactly to present her character when she got over on a nickname that they flash up in a big in graphic, right? EST was never supposed to be tapped on at the end of the word humble, you know? <laughs> Bestest, fastest, greatest, etc. Not like, oh, I'm just really, really thankful. She's happy to be here now, like everybody else. And that continues to be like the character that she portrays, which completely undermines the whole gimmick. The fact she's got the belt over her shoulder means that if she was once humble, she should now long, no longer be that humble. She won a frigging Royal Rumble and a WrestleMania main event to get that belt. So, like, I'm sick of that. I'm absolutely sick of it. Especially after, as Cedric points out, like the second clean victory in a row. Fundamentally flawed WWE gets in the way of everything and ruins everything. In this case, the choice to put, for whatever boring reasons, who cares, it's not a storyline, uh, whatever reason they chose to put um, Roman Reigns and Rey Mysterio on Friday has a knock-on effect to everything because Bailey and Bianca are put in a cell when they weren't going to be. And why were they not going to be? Because presumably we were getting one more frigging match. It's not even a rubber match. Belair's 2-up or 2-1. Very, very, like if we're being generous to that match in December, 2-1. But it's not a rubber match. It's done. But obviously that was going to be a sort of straight match on Sunday and they were going to have that last man standing. They were going to patronisingly drag it out to one more television main event or God forbid money in the bank, which you would assume by this result, they're setting up something, another match. But Hell in a Cell is definitive. And now it's going to be like, well, yeah, but last man standing is even more definitive. See you there. Like, minging, absolutely minging. Seth Rollins is terrible. Like, Zazaro makes him laugh, but it doesn't make me laugh. So, yeah. like... You know, it's, it's that like awful WWE comedy where they literally script the characters to laugh at it because an audience wouldn't. Um, Cesaro, <laughs> Cesaro's latest babyface main event run, oh, how we knew you, because that's dead. Like, if you had any hope when he was, when Roman Reigns was actually selling a bit of fear, that's gone now because he couldn't feel any more like a mid-card concern in the middle of this promo train, interrupt, do a move stuff. And... The match didn't contain any of the potentially quite exciting intergender spots that we pitched and thought might have been good. You know, a swing on Bailey because she doesn't even need to take a bump off it. So it falls within their intergender rules. Bianca Belair doing squats with Seth on her shoulders because she can and it would look physically awesome. Didn't do any of that. Just put the heels over so that we have to have more rematches. Mm. Like, what a miserable antithesis of a promotion first half an hour of a broadcast this was. Surely, right? They could have had some mixed match challenge adjacent fun yeah. with dynamic and just said, right, okay, it's quite unusual. This you guys are artists. We don't want you to be artists, but you're artists nonetheless. Have some fun with it, do something creative. As for the match itself, I can't remember a goddamn thing about it. It's just one of those, like, it's just 
churn that bleeds into itself. I'm sure Bianca smacked her arse and there was a swing and, you know, a couple of near falls from signatures. It just washed over me. It totally washed over me. Um, but the Bianca, at least with Rollins and Cesaro, it's 1-1. At least under the old bad parameters through what used to represent WWE logic, at the very least, it's bad, it's boring, it's repetitive, it's hold one back for the, the rubber. At least Cesaro versus Seth Rollins makes old, rubbish WWE kind of sense if you think about it in there, from their perspective. Bianca Bailey stuff is rotten, absolutely rotten. I didn't think you could get a worse women's feud than Charlotte Flair versus Rhea Ripley, but here we are. I mean, there were some entertaining moments in the match, but it's because look at the people in it, um, you know. But like you say, had I not made notes on it, I wouldn't be able to recall it off the top of my head. Cesaro landing off the back of a back suplex looked nice. And Belair coming in and running wild and hitting a standing moonsault was great as well. Uh, towards the end, though, um, Cesaro comes in uh, after ba- after Bailey's been in control of Belair, working over a shoulder that she'd posted uh, he slams Rollins head in the apron flying crossbody for a near fall gives him the giant swing goes to the sharpshooter but Bailey distracts him Rollins uses a small package echoing what happened to Helena Cell for a great near fall Bailey uh, jumps at Cesaro but he catches her eventually it's Bailey and Belair uh, in there Bailey rolls up for the near fall but Belair fights back goes to the KOD in the midst of all this Cesaro and Rollins are, are fighting and chasing each other around ringside Rollins runs across the ring Bumps into Belair, that knocks her over. Bailey sees the opportunity, hits a running knee, uh, and uh, gets the victory uh, along with her finisher for for the win. And like you said, Hamflet, we we booked this uh, on the preview as the complete opposite result for this. Uh, yeah, um, just that sinking, dispiriting feeling when the baby faces went over. Like I just, I like Seth got his win on Sunday to get that rubber match. I'm like, I'm a Cedric, I don't want it, but like you, you know what they're doing, so it's going to happen. Um, so he didn't even need this win here. This win existed because they've got more to get out of Bailey and Belair, and there was night now left by Sunday, let alone like the following Friday. Really, really like depressing to think about them having to do one more. Uh, we saw Jimmy Uso in the back. Uh, is Paul Heyman's coming out of Roman Reigns' dressing room. Um, Jimmy's asking how he can prove to Reigns that he should be the right-hand man. And Heyman just said, just win your match tonight. You can be main event, Jimmy. Uh, I'm going to get you a match, but make sure you bloody win it. And then we got, you might not have been keeping up with this, Sidric, uh, but the winner is the king. It's time for the coronation <laughs> of the king of strong style, Shinsuke Nakamura! Um, they recap what happened the previous week with Nakamura and Baron Corbin. Nakamura wins, gets the crown. They set up the ring. It's got a carpet. It's got a throne. It's got the crown. It's got Rick Boogs introducing Nakamura. He comes out in the white gear. Contain yourself, Hamlet. I'll get to you. Pat McAfee explodes. Nakamura comes down. Boogs introduces him as the king of SmackDown, the new king of SmackDown. They dance. They rock out. They play yeah, rock and roll. And in the back, hi, Kayla. Kayla Braxton is there to interview, not King Corbin. She corrects herself, Baron Corbin. And Corbin is, I mean, he's trying to cry. I was about to say tearful. He's not tearful. He's trying to think, come on, come on. What if my dog was dead or something? Think of sad things. Think of sad things. Corbin tries to cry effectively. 
and just says, oh, what's the point? And walks off. Sidge, the floor is yours, mate. I mean, how can this possibly be considered good? How can any of this possibly be considered good? Much less, mm, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Dynamite is good, but SmackDown's really great. You don't like Dynamite. I'm saying it because it's WWE. Stop lying to me. Stop poisoning the discourse. <laughs> it's worse when you're disingenuous. It's so much worse when you're disingenuous. Do not do this to me. Just be one of the worst ones. You're actually better for it in my eyes. So you get a best of five, whatever it was, formally or otherwise, of just two and a quarter, half, maybe three quarter star matches. Who knows anymore? It's all the same. And uh, the, just the visual of Shinsuke Nakamura, babyface, having a mate. It doesn't work. Nothing works. Boring. And, right, here's the thing about Boogs and Nakamura. I'm not totally dead inside when Boogs does certain rockish inflections, I pop. Like, death metal grunts for the E in WWE. Like, the, the Rob Halfords for Nakamura. I mean, it's kind of funny, but Shinsuke Nakamura used to be really cool. <laughs> used to be really, really cool. And, you know, if you can't be asked to do the old stiff as hell, like lightning flashes of the strong style he was so great at, you can still present him as a force. This is this, is all this company has. It's great production values I keep hearing about every time AEW has a nightmare with it. He's fucking lame. Program's boring. I don't care about Baron Corbin. Whether this is like a, I mean, if you wasn't such an asshole heel, I could have won this King of the Ring. Is this a babyface turn? Is this meant to be the? Nah, 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 nah. Am I meant to be thinking right? Nah, 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 nah. You're not the king anymore. Is that what Vince thinks I'm thinking when I see something like this? Am I meant to be going? Nah, 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 nah. Hey, 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 goodbye. So going, hey, hey, nah, 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 nah. Switch off the X of my browser. <laughs> from this thing on watchwrestling.in because I can't stand even 35 minutes of it. It's uh, this a good was... show, listeners. Listeners, if they do a good show next week, I would say it's good, right? I promise. This segment is was the shining example of why we've had so much fun with the winner is the king <laughs> because they've made less than zero effort to explain why that toy crown matters ever. <laughs> Five matches, right? And it's like, Nakamura is this magpie. He just likes the shiny object. And like, Baron Carter, that's my shiny object. And they have a fight over it. And Nakamura gets to claim official ownership of it. White gear looks amazing. I hope he wrestles in it. I hope that's a part of his, like, aesthetic as the king, because he looks class. It's Shinsuke Nakamura. He, like, he always looks cool. Um, this segment was a disaster. It went on for ages, absolutely ages. So it's like, this was like even more awkward than those times when they've got the backstage interview when the wrestler's done the reaction shot and then the camera stays an extra three seconds. So the wrestler's pulling the face and has to like freeze with the face on because they're like really happy with the last word. And like nobody's saying cut, so everybody just has to stand still. That was Nakamura in the ring. It just carried on and on and on and on because they were thinking, right, we've got to get Baron Corbin's reaction to it. We've got to have um, Sonya Deville and Adam Pearce marking out backstage over it. Got to make sure we shoot it a couple of times so you can see Pat McAfee stood on the desk. Do you get it? Do you get that? Can you see that Like people really, really love this thing? Whereas as a television viewing experience, it was just impossible to stay interested. Um, it's a toy crown. I have no more sympathy for Baron Corbin's sadness than I do joy in my heart for Nakamura's celebration. This is... 
just the latest in, it didn't start with this, but I'm always reminded of the WrestleMania 18 sign. They are fighting over shampoo. Just change shampoo for something else. And it's been innumerable WWE storylines ever since. And this is just the latest one. They are fighting over a toy crown. And when everybody else in this universe takes it seriously, you have less respect for them too. So it has like a kind of a knock-on effect. But the winner is the king. (laughs) (laughs) So we're we're led to believe it matters, I guess. Yeah, basically, we booked this better on all the SmackDown previews of last of the previous weeks of putting Boogs in a shark cage and dressing him up as Elvis, all that good stuff, for them to just go, oh, you pop the crown on this time, and yeah! And all going to be utterly pointless, isn't it? Because they're going to announce King in the Ring in about three weeks' time. <laughs> yeah. I really, truly, earnestly love Xavier Woods as a man and a wrestling character. Can he not set himself, and I realise he probably likes King of the Ring 93 as much as me and Hanford do, <laughs> Right. Can he not set himself a bigger goal in pro wrestling than to be this? Mm. Come on, because he actually could if he won. Xavier Woods wanted to become WWE champion. Yes. If he wanted to become AEW champion, I like this guy is in the ring as a babyface this much. I'd say, yes, go on. I believe in you. You can do it. You're better than this, Xavier. Yeah, you know the thing about Bret Hart, you worked down three different, totally different matches in one night. Yeah, I love Bret Hart too. Mm. Right. Do better than this. <laughs> Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Well, anyway, um, continuing our SmackDown review. Seth Rollins walks into Postman Pierce and Sonya Deville's office. He's happy. He's having a laugh. And then all of a sudden, he's serious. He wants a shot at the Universal Championship. And they say, yep, you probably do deserve a title shot, but they're not quite ready to decide just yet. wonder why that might be. Maybe we'll find out later on. Uh, And then we get... Sidge, if you've not been keeping up with SmackDown, this is a once-in-a-lifetime match. Big E versus Apollo <laughs> Crew. <laughs> I have been keeping up with SmackDown, just, you know, with, like, my phone in my hand in the, in the background. Yeah, I, I'll admit, I'll hold my hands up, right, because I'll say on some of the SmackDown preview, Sidge, I've been saying, certainly early on in this, you know when they were, like, 
they did it and then they did it again on a pay-per-view and then you know commander aziz and then they did it they did it i reckon about five matches into this endless rematches between these two obviously there's different stipulations here and, and stuff on the line sorry um I was sat there saying, you know what? He was saying, like, oh, bloody hell, another another big Apollo Cruise match. But they've, you know, they've moved the moved the goals post. They've changed things around a little bit. I'm still in, invested in it. Yeah, I think this was the week. I was very much invested in it because I wanted Big E to win. But in terms of in-ring action, I mean, they tried. They did do some good stuff. The, the stretch muffler submission was enjoyable. Uh, and Cruz hitting the rolling suplexes was 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 enjoyable too. But yeah, I think they've exhausted what what these two can do in a ring. Uh, so as Big E's put Apollo Cruz in the stretch muffler submission, uh, Commander Aziz basically helps Cruz to get to the ropes to break the hold. Cruz fights back. Uh, he hit a frog splash for a near fall. He hits uh, another German suplex later on for a two count as well. Um, uh, Big E uh, catches Cruz with a, a Uranagi, uh, but then Aziz gets involved as, as Cruz is escaping, pushes Big E into the barricade, goes to hit him with a Nigerian nail, but the referee catches him, kicks him out of the arena. In amongst all this, Cruz rolls up Big E, great near fall. Big E, though, recovers. Big ending, one, two, three. Thank God, Sige, Big E is the first SmackDown man to qualify for money in the bank. He's just be a champion. Like, it's just such stupid booking. And it makes me legitimately question, like, what's going on in Vincent Wan's mind? Like, I mean, I do most weeks, but I'm thinking, like, is he just comforted by the familiar in his advancing age? What is it? Why is he like, I watch the same things every week? Does he not get bored? Does no one get bored? I just, the thing is with this match, right, it's like, I just feel cruel. They've obviously worked hard. They obviously realise what a Sisyphean task all of this is. There were certain bomb exchanges that briefly unglued me from this total fugue state within which I watched this product. Not only are you beating a champion, which is a stupid thing to do for this, right? You're beating the champion that this guy's wrestled since the start of the year. So you see, you've got two problems with this, right? If you don't do it... You don't have two of the problems. You don't have a champion who looks weak and you don't have an audience just totally bored, senseless by all of this. Then one of them might just watch this and think, you know what, I'm never going to watch this again. Like seriously, it's such low effort content. It's about the eighth or whatever match they've had. It is so low effort. Like literally one person is going to watch this and think, oh, that's it. 20 years of this, the last five, the Mize has been accelerate, accelerated. You know what? I'm never going to watch this again. Thanks for making it up, my mind up for me. <laughs> I did not get it. I mean, they don't have to get it because they make money anyway. Mm. Uh, yeah, similar, really. I, like, it's, it feels pointless flagging these types of criticisms up. And it reminds me of the times where like people might have first cared about this. I was thinking about Cruz, the Intercontinental Champion, and like <coughs> trying, to win, trying to win money in the bank despite having about that he should really be more focused on keeping and defending at the time being. And I just, I, don't, I got nostalgic for the days of uproar about things when people still had standards. Chavo Guerrero entered the 2008 Royal Rumble as ECW world champion. And a lot of people in the, uh, I mean, imagine if the internet existed in 2008. <laughs> but if it did, 
um, there was people on these hypothetical forums that didn't exist that were saying, well, Christ, that undermines the ECW title. And then there was a, a couple of voices like, saying, oh, that's already dead. That's already dead. But people had enough standards to want to defend that title to suggest that maybe Chavo shouldn't have been in the Royal Rumble because maybe somebody might have challenged him. You know, like that was the kind of pretense that we were supposed to keep up. And I think about that sometimes when nobody would bother having that argument about Apollo Crews the Intercontinental Champion in 2021. It's all just dead. It's all dead. But like, that's what goes through my mind because the match is too boring to invest in anymore. Um, he shouldn't have been in it. Big E should qualify. Yes, for money in the bank. There should be qualifiers. Yes. Well done. Put him against somebody else that really wants to qualify. Like we're going to get onto a, a far more egregious example of them doing it wrong in the other Money in the Bank match. Like on this show, mm. in this review. Um, so this is like the lesser of the two evils. But yeah, didn't need to see this combination again. And Apollo Crews didn't need to be in the match. Just senseless. Absolutely senseless. Uh, so we go to the back and... Uh, Hi, Kayla! Is there. Uh, she's chatting with... Uh, oh, just the brilliant Sami Zayn. Uh, I'm, I'm going to, I've got, basically, I've got less than a week left to enjoy this because I've got a horrible feeling where this is going of me going, oh, he's going to win money in the bank. Oh, I'm not too sure all of a sudden because uh, he's celebrating uh, that victory at Hell in a Cell, uh, dominant victory, written Kevin Owens off. We all know that Kevin Owens is taking some time off. And then Braxton tells him, yeah, not only uh, did you not write him, tell you, you're facing him again next, next week in a money in the bank qualifier he's furious he storms off into postman Pierce's office yells at him he says just why don't you just give a why don't you just give me the money in the bank contract and b why am i not just automatically in this match effectively i beat owens at hell in a cell what more do you want me to do and postman pierce says oh by the way also your match is a now a last man standing match for smackdown next week which is now of course this week i know i'm biased hamflet but i'm Kind of on board with Sami Zayn saying there's a conspiracy against him now. Stop vindicating your crackpot heel. <laughs> they, they've created a character that is supposed to be driven insane by systemic conspiracy, right? It's Vince McMahon's vision of the entire left, but let's just leave that to one side. Like, that's the Sami Zayn character. Week after week, they do things that prove him to be telling the truth. <laughs> Because the booking is so nonsensical and illogical that Sami Zayn isn't spouting conspiracies. He's just bringing up plot holes. Where is the rule book or the terms and conditions that Adam Pearce and Sonia Deville have worked out who gets in of this Money in the Bank thing? Because it's going to be torn up in the very next segment that we're about to talk about. It's going to be torn up on, we're recording this on Monday, tonight's Raw, when we have a last chance losers match where somebody else gets back in, right? And there has been absolutely no parameters for qualification laid out whatsoever. So Kevin Owens, who has said, I'm, you know, took a beating there, pretty injured, throat and arm, going to take a bit of time off. And they're like, ah, you were going to want you to get money in the back. We're going to put you in a last man standing match. Like, it's insane. Sami Zayn should be going mad because if you try and reckon with any of this having any rationale or reason, it would send you mad. Sami Zayn is all of us trying to make sense of any of this. He's not the crackpot that they deem him to be. I'd share your sympathy and your worry that you're not going to get Sami Zayn miss the money in the bank because he might not even make in match. Why did I watch Hell in a Cell? Someone tell me in good faith, without a cry laughing emoji, why I watched that pay-per-view if literally none of it matters. Why? Why did I, no, seriously, why did I watch it? The worst thing is, it's like the best part of that 
Kevin Owens versus Sami Zayn match, which, you know, it's not going to hit the heights of what they did in Ring of Honor or, you know, it just won't. It's comfortably the worst thing they've ever been involved with, but it's impossible to be good because look who's wrestling in it. My favorite moment of that match is like, oh, I really enjoyed this, but, you know, what does it say of everything that I did? What does it say of everything that it happened? It's big, painful-looking, desperate slugfest erupts between Zayn and Owens. It's very much driven by pure loathing. I'm sick of doing this to you. I'm really sick of doing this to you. Will you not just cough out of my life with a symbiotic relationship? That's what that strike exchange conveyed to me. Like, maybe don't book it then. If the people involved are trying to tell some semblance of a story because they want to maintain their legacy in this continuity of what they're doing to each other in this cross-promotional symbiotic rivalry, if we've now reached a point where they just hate each other and they're just hitting each other just out of sheer loathing for where they both are, maybe don't book it. It's not really good escapism. And, uh, yeah, as we alluded to, if you're on Monday Night Raw, you have to win qualifying tag matches. It's Raw tomorrow. Well, tonight, <laughs> but, yeah, we'll be after a review it tomorrow. Uh, yeah, I'm talking about I could just not watch it and I uh, don't forget to listen to the raw preview with myself and Michael Hamflat. I won't force you to do that one, Sage. Uh, <coughs> hey. But yeah, if you're on raw, you have to qualify. Uh, if you're a woman in a tag match, just got have loads of <laughs> matches with them in. Just get, just get them all in, do all that. But if you're on SmackDown, you don't even have to do that because Sonia Deville comes out next. She comes out and says, Yeah, Carmella's in money in the bank. Don't have to do anything, she's just straight in there. Um, Carmella wants her to reintroduce her again including the fact that she's the most beautiful woman in the WWE. Liv Morgan, though, interrupts. She mocks Carmella. She says, I beat you. How come you're straight in Money in the Bank? I know you're a two-time Money in the Bank winner, which always throws me, because I was going, did she win it twice? And then I was like, oh, yeah, bollocks with Ellsworth. Um, basically, Morgan says, I should be in the match more than you. They brawl, and Deville books a match uh, for Morgan to prove that she deserves to be in the Money in the Bank ladder match. But don't worry, Carmella, even if you lose, you're still in the match. And it's a good job she did that because Carmella did lose in about three minutes. Uh, she got a super kick early on, got the advantage, uh, yells at Morgan, slaps the taste out of her mouth. Uh, but Morgan fires back and uh, hits the oblivion for a near fall. Carmella catches Morgan on the top with a super kick. Carmella goes for the head scissors, but Morgan rolls through and gets the pinfall victory, which I assume means uh, she's in Money in the Bank. Or is that? Uh, I'm not sure. Regardless, Liv Morgan beat Carmella. And uh, more money in the bank shenanigans, Michael Sidgwick. Carl Meller is a pretty good performer, given rubbish material. When given the option, uh, the opportunity, given the opportunity to excel in the ring, like she impresses me at times with her aggression. She really feels like she hates her opponent. Like I think you could put either of these performers on a five-week dark run. And he'd probably emerge from it thinking, Jesus Christ, they're pretty good. Should do something with that. There's a moment, however, where you see these little flashes of invention and, you know, a working ability to make them seem like they hate each other. And then the WWE playbook rears its head and if Morgan gets this near fall, but she sells as if she's been in the ring for 25 minutes at the absolute peak of her exhaustion. And she just fails to win because Carmella's foot is on the rope and she sells it with something worse than a shock kickout phrase. It is as if she's just watched her dog get flattened under the tire of a bus. This woman is brings new meaning to the word distraught. So you've been in there for three minutes, just do some more wrestling. 
Like, and I don't get who's in the match and why. Why are why are they in the match? I just hate it. I don't I don't know how people watch it. I mean, I do. They're idiots. I don't. I just don't know how people can actually watch this. And just as an addition to this, Michael Hamlet, I've just checked, and this is obviously Wikipedia, so anyone can edit it. She ain't Liv Morgan in the list right now for the women's money in the bank by the match. So presumably she has to go through another qualifier. But wins and losses don't matter. So what's the point? One more thing before we get to Hamlet. In the promo, Carmella's going, look at me, honey, and then look at you. I'm a bombshell. A bombshell who's wearing something that we could probably get in Hot Topic. So, you know, when she's all that, when she's got the gaps on, and you think, that's still beautiful. It's <laughs> ridiculous. It's like, it's like, I hate it. You're going to break my brain making me review this, Wilborn. Sorry, <laughs> What a mess. Just what, <coughs> a mess. What, what a complete mess. Just this gutted women's division at this point. Like, I laughed at the point where... So they've had to come up with a creative way to include both Carmella and Liv Morgan because, as we talked about in the preview, this brand has literally nobody else, unless Sonya Deville wants to put herself in, right? Nobody else. All been fired, all been moved, in tag matches, whatever. These are the only two, right? They've looked and come up with this mess of circumstances... Well, Carmella's in regardless, so that makes her entire inclusion in this match completely pointless. If you're Carmella, you save yourself and you don't get injured. So I don't care about Liv Morgan. I care about myself. Like, so I'll just take the loss. In you go, Liv. Like, so the, the, she would even take on this match. She's thick, but everyone's thick. So it's fine. Nobody notices. Um, yeah. So, like, she takes this match on as the, you know, two-time Money in the Bank winner that is so confident that she's going to win. She'll beat Liv Morgan again. This is not a feud. This is not a feud but they are rivals because there's nobody else to fight. They're just fighting each other because there's nobody else to fight. What does SmackDown have to do to try and make this look like a division? There's one point, they cut to Natalia and Tamina as tag team champions. Like, oh, they're fighting each other. They could be our next rivals. Like, that's that's what <laughs> me thinks of, like, tag wrestlers at this point. It's like, if you're the tag champions, should you be looking at the other teams? Well, there aren't any. Let's just look at people that fight each other because that's made up <laughs> virtually every other team that's ever held these belts, right? Laughable. Like, absolutely. Like, that cut was just... Christ, they are trying to dress this up as a women's division when there isn't one anymore. Like, what a complete piss take that was. Um, as if the rest of this match wasn't enough. And of all the nights, again, like, there's no rules, there's no rankings, there's no logic to anything, right? Carmella is a two-time Money in the Bank winner. There's another two-time Money in the Bank winner later on the show, and he just speared his way into a title match. He didn't get into the Money in the Bank ladder match, he got into a title match. So why does Carmella not say to uh, Sonya Deville, hang on, if that's the criteria for Uge, <laughs> the <laughs> iconoclast, off, right? If that's the criteria for Edge, then can I just not have a title shot instead? Can I just not have a singles match? Why am I going through the trouble of a back-breaking ladder match if apparently these, in, these sort of entitle somebody to a title shot? Or if you don't want me, somebody that's watching, because uh, SmackDown's for the, uh, the real fans, if you don't want somebody that's watching to ask that question, Maybe don't drop that into the description on the same night that you're going to bring another two-time money in the bank winner back. Like, because then I'll ask the question because mm. I'm watching because this is the show for the fans. I, for- I forgot about Crap. Crap. I forgot about that bit where they cut to Natalia and Tamina. And like you say, they go, you and me, one and two. Wait a second. One, two. Oh, God, they could be a tag team. <laughs> <laughs> yes. 
anyone could be a tag team, but can, can they coexist? That's the eternal question within WWE. All uh, right, we got Jimmy Uso versus Dolph Ziggler next. Uh, can he win to prove himself to Roman Reigns? Yes, yes, he can. Test. Um, the thing is, like this match for you know, not to have a go, two great performers work well together, blah blah blah, decent 10 minutes. It's a nothing match, effectively. It's just can you win to prove yourself and when the pressure's on, etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. And yet, oh my god, he took a zigzag on the stairs. That looked horrific. I winced watching that. Uh, Ziggler hitting uh, Uso with a zigzag on the stairs after Uso had uh, done a dive to the outside and hit Robert Roode rather than Dolph Ziggler. Um, uh, so for the finish, Uso goes for a power bomb. Jimmy Uso, that is. Uh, Dolph Ziggler rolls through near full. Uso just super kicks out, out of nowhere, gets the victory, celebrates, runs backstage to, to join a part of this Roman Reigns championship celebration. And Heyman stops him and says, No, we, 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 we're good. What did you think of the match, uh, though, Michael Sidgwick? Not much. Not much at all. Saw that bump and thought, oh, Christ, that looked like it hurt. Everything else was like well-timed pro wrestling with good athletic execution. That meant nothing. Who's the baby face? Who's the heel? Who I meant to root for? Um, just completely lost me. Completely lost me is something that I was going to emotionally invest in. I guess I want Jimmy Uso to win so that he can infiltrate this... Roman Reigns character or something. Did he work as a baby face or was it just WWE's lost the plot? Yeah, the whole point was, I guess you've got to root for Jimmy Uso to pass the test of the show's top heel. I know, I know. Please him. It's so like... As if I'm watching people prove their loyalty for the past six months. And I get the point. It's it's a different zone. You're bad for not being able to tell them apart. I get all this. On some kind of meta level, they've got some very strange point to make. It's not entertaining <laughs> in the least. Just they're, gonna, they're teaming up Asker and Kyrie Sane for reasons. They're trying to tell me that you can't tell them apart. Shame on you. Shame on you. <laughs> I do love that because it's WWE, um, when they've got uh, so much was wrong on this show, but the one thing they've absolutely mastered, and they've mastered it over the real decade of destruction, which is killing every single thing about Dolph Ziggler forever and always. Uh, his finisher fails twice, including one on the steps in the wrong order. It wasn't even like, oh, he kicked out from the zigzag. I'm going to have to do this on the steps. It's like, no, I'm going to really hurt myself because my finishes <laughs> never really made sense. And then I'm going to roll him back in and he's still going to kick out from a normal one. But he just sucked all the suspense and fun out of it. Bless him. Bless his fans. If there's any left, I don't know. Um, I like a marginally better choice than Apollo Crews was for Big E's victim, I suppose, but that's all Ziggler was, wasn't he? Mm. Uh, anyway, let's conclude with the main event segment, which actually was really, really enjoyable, a lot of the highlight of this show. Um, so Roman Reigns and Paul Heyman, without Jimmy Uso, walk out to the ring. Uh, they recap what happened with the Mysterios and him murdering father and son, basically. Uh, and Heyman cuts an epic promo saying he destroyed everyone on the roster. The Fiend got frightened, Strowman got slaughtered, Owens got KO'd, Edge and Brian got stacked and shipped off. Uh, he said Brian was man enough to return, but he got shipped back out. Cesaro got clobbered and the Mysterios got launched literally, figuratively and metaphorically. Basically, he said 
in less than a year, Romans, Roman Reigns has wiped out the entire division. So they're going to do something that has never happened on network TV before. We've got no choice. There's no one left. So Reigns gets the microphone. He's about to reveal all. When Edge's music hits, he's back. He walks out. Reigns and Heyman can't believe what they're seeing. He runs down to the ring. Roman tries to cut him off. They brawl around ringside. Uh, Edge slams Reigns' head into the announce table, but Reigns pires back, uh, hits a Superman punch, grabs a chair, but as he's coming back in, Edge spears him. Edge goes to get a chair and hit a second chair and hit a concerto, but out comes Jimmy Uso to make the save. So Jimmy Uso gets his ass handed to him instead, whilst uh, Roman Reigns bails with Paul Heyman. As Edge fires back, throws him into the stairs and spears him through the barricade looks down the camera, yells for Roman Reigns and poses in the ring as the show goes off the air. For a bad show, this was a fantastic conclusion, I thought, Hamlet. Uh Yeah, some stuff I liked, some stuff I didn't. Um, I didn't like that he had, and it was an Edge shirt, he had Iconoclast across the front. I can't wait for more Iconoclastic takes, like, oh, guys should sell the neck more. Um, glad, to have, glad to have Sad Edge back. Um, <laughs> I, did, I did like him as a surprise, he's been gone since WrestleMania. I've actually been allowed to miss him. They have created out of thin air a believable for me money in the bank main event. Like, a, like the Paul Heyman was spitting the truth. Like Roman Reigns has gone through everybody, and WWE have done too effective a job of making him dominant. Like, no, they've not. They've done an ineffective job of positioning people ready to fight him. It is yeah, all we speculating as to who he's going to face at Money in the Bank. We were booking like a handicap match with the Mysterios or something like that. Yeah, we? there's there's nobody. So like for the B-shows especially, it's really hard to get somebody that you, like even by an earfall, let alone by a title change. Edge is that guy. So like fine, like fairly effective. He's, he's a top star. So you can buy him just getting his title shot out of nowhere. He's won Money in the Bank twice. Sonyville probably booked it. Um, I like the failure of Paul Heyman's laundry list to mention Seth Rollins. I, I think they're doing some work here. I think Seth Rollins is going to fight Edge at SummerSlam. He's going to resent Edge basically jumping the queue here to get this match. He's going to like ultimately factor that into his reason to want to fight Edge at SummerSlam. That's another like, it's not a dream match because... Like, I just don't dream about Edge versus Seth Rollins. But when Edge was coming back, you didn't want to see him keep fighting Randy Orton. You wanted to see him fighting new people. So Seth Rollins is that new person, and there's going to be a crowd. That might be good. So I think they're doing a good job of setting up Seth Rollins and Edge for SummerSlam. I also think they're backburnering Seth Rollins in quite an interesting way, because people do want that. Shield stuff is potent and powerful, and people still want to see that at some point. Not in this version of Seth Rollins' character, but that match is there as well. So I just, I didn't mind this as a booking choice, Thought the attack was fairly effective. Where you at, Roman? It was kind of stupid because he was still on the ramp. Yeah, I thought that. Probably should have like bailed backstage before saying that and screaming down the lens with his intense hands through the hair face. Um, and yeah, the Jimmy Uso stuff was a bit too disconnected to my head canon that he's trying to play mind games with Roman because he took an absolute pasting. And your master <laughs> plan doesn't make look much like a master when you're getting this kicked out here. You have to be like careful with them. And I, if that's the plan, I don't think they were careful enough here. So yeah, like broadly positive. Here's the positives. The brawl looked really good. Edge somehow was still great when he started working 40 minutes in the performance centre with uh, Randy Orton. The first time, the second one was good. He's good. The brawl was very, very, very good. It just, the bit doesn't work. The bit insults my intelligence, as so much does. He's being everyone. We have to really vacate the title. Might, might as well just like 
bury it in the ground and pour some soil over it, like retire it in Roman's honour, because there's no point in defending it. We've beaten absolutely everyone. No one presents a challenge. Roman's invincible. He's beaten everyone. What do we do? With, what's the point of the title? He transcends the championship. That was the bit. So out comes a guy he's beaten. <laughs> but the bit doesn't work. The bit doesn't work. So don't piss me off with bits that don't work. The idea that Edge, like what a rubbish baby face he is. What a thick idiot rubbish baby face he is. He was so boring that they had to make a less boring triple threat match to obscure for the fact that it was so boring. And the thing that was so boring that they had to fix has now just happened on SmackDown again in a, in a, in a manner that makes no logical sense because he's already been defeated by this. He could have arrived at Roman versus Edge in a different way that didn't insult your intelligence. They failed to do that because they hold it in contempt. Um, I like the brawl. The match will be good. Edge was on fire in front of those fans at WrestleMania. Any kind of return to that edge? Yes, please. I will take it. It was great. It will feel like WWE is back. I welcome that since I get paid this monkey's port of a job to do it. But the way he's been brought in has made no sense. The way he's been brought back in as an entitled baby face who's beating up the guy who just beat him. Like, it's a rubbish baby face stuff. But the brawl looked excellent. Mm. Yeah, exciting, uh, if a convoluted way of getting there. And... uh intriguing to see where SmackDown goes next after this. Let us know your thoughts on uh, Friday Night SmackDown on Twitter at WhatCultureWWE. Actually, they can follow all three of us. You can follow Michael Hamflit at... Michael Hamflit. Follow Michael Sidgwick at... People on Twitter give their thoughts about SmackDown. He won't be able to smile for the cum. At M Sidgwick. <laughs> follow me on Twitter at Adam Wilborn. Follow us all at WhatCultureWWE, as I said. Make sure you subscribe to WhatCultureWrestling wherever you get your podcasts from for daily wrestling podcasts, including our weekly SmackDown previews and reviews. Uh, also available right now is our AEW Dynamite review. And later on today, myself and Michael Hafler will be looking ahead to Monday Night Raw tonight. But for now, this has been the SmackDown review. My thanks to the Dally Boys. Thank you for joining us. And we will see you soon. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.